Welcome to Life Church Bath, and thank you for choosing this message. If you'd like to learn and hear more about who we are and what we get up to, please go to our website at livechurchbath.com. Enjoy the message. How is everybody? This has been a fun morning, hasn't it? All right. Well, listen, I don't have much time. If you, any of you have... Um, physical Bibles in your hand, please turn to Judges 6. Um, If not, don't worry, I have the verses that are going to be thrown up um, while I share. Um, Yeah, I feel, I just feel carrying a word for um, us this morning. Just help me find my notes. Let me just, um, before we start, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you so much that this morning we have just seen a physical display of your goodness, your, your physical display of the gospel, of who you are and what you are doing across the world. Father, I just, um, Father, we just also ask, Lord, just for, for all of us, those who, who weren't baptized, Father, if there's anyone here that has never made that decision, Lord, and they're being stirred by what they've seen, Father, would you continue that? And also, Father, for us who can remember the times where the time when we did get baptized and what we signed up for and what we laid our life down, it's for you, Jesus. It's for you. Father, I just bless this house. I bless those watching online. And we, uh, Father, I just, uh, would you speak through me as I share um, for a short time what you have for us. Amen. So, let me just read to you what I wrote down this morning. Before Joe got baptized, she said, he's my constant help. Riley said, I'm coming home. Natalie said, everything had reached a new low until Jesus found me. Ben said, for the first time, we had the power through Christ. Scott said, God became my rock and is the one that I can always fall back on. Lydia said, I called upon the name of Jesus and he has brought me peace. Beth said, I have learned to understand God's unfailing love for me. And Tony said, Jesus is my king. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This story in Judges 6 is, a, is, is really the story of um, God choosing a man called Gideon. Can everyone say Gideon? And I'm going to read to you the verse. It's verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terabith at Oprah which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Could you all say that with me? The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, 
Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers in recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do, I, do not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Amen. There is, I think there is so much to be said about where we are as a nation and what is going on in the world right now through the story of Gideon. This is, we've just read the account of, of what we're noticing and what we're seeing through Gideon is that this is a man who is living in a time where everything has been shaken. They are living the actual, the, the story of Israel, they are living in survival mode. They are, what you'd say, struggling with PTSD after the aftermath of cultural changing, constantly changing. You see, we know, if you read your word and you know that the story of Israel is that God brought them from, the, from being chained in bondage, in bondage to Egypt and brought them into the promised land, where they found their freedom in God. And yet in the part of this story, we now find them dwelling in homes they did not build, eating from fields that they did not plant, and a land that, in, in what was the land that was described as milk and honey. They find themselves living under different circumstances, and everything had been shaken. And what was happening was that the Midianites and the Amalekites had devastated them. So much so that they were no longer able to, as an agricultural community, they were no longer able to plant their own seed and grow their own crops. These, Gideon was a man living on the side of a mountain. They were living in caves. They were no longer in a place of safety. They had given up hope. What would happen is that the Amalekites, whenever they found the Israelites growing anything, when they would decide to sow their seed and where they would begin to have hope again to start building a family and start building what would be a life for generations to come, the enemy was always on its tail, waiting for the right time to come and destroy and rob the, the crops, anything that you would imagine from harvest time would be, would be stolen and taken away. And this would happen year after year after year. They were in survival mode. What is the point when you think when you have no control over your life where you cannot even think about building a legacy of anything? Gideon was alive in a time where there was no hope. And this is where we find Gideon. We hear the story, and we've just read it. A man who has taken some wheat, where clearly 
from what I've told you and we now know, would have no space or time and in danger of his own life to grow his own crops, we find that he has found some wheat. So he then, what does he have to do? You have to grind it if you want to make some bread. And Gideon is found in a wine press. Now, even by the name wine press, you can understand you don't make bread out of a wine press. What goes in a wine press? Grapes. Gideon, I mean, if you imagine this is like a two, three feet hole, and he is inside it, cowering and hiding, trying to crush this wheat, knowing that if he is caught by the enemy, he'd not only just lose it, his life might even be in danger. I want you to imagine that he is in it on his hands and knees, hiding. And it is at that moment, it's at that moment where we then see the Lord speak over this man. Uh, if, if for any uh, parents in this house, or for anyone, if I give you an image of what I believe this to be, is I've started to realize that if I, if I have four children at home, and I've started to realize that when I find, if I can see with my eyes three of, maybe two or three of them, but if one of my daughters I can't see, and then for a while I can't hear, I normally then find that they're in their room, and they found my phone or my wife's phone, or maybe the iPad, and they are secretly having a lot of fun and trying not to be caught. And it literally looks like this. I walk into the room and I say, and you know, just to be fair and not to paint a picture, I'll say Poppy, because it normally is her. But I walk into the room and I'll go, Poppy, and then instantly it's. <laughs> it is that moment of fear and oh no, I've been caught. And Gideon is doing something down here in a wine press, trying to hide and not be seen by anyone because he's hungry and he is living in a time of no hope and he is afraid and he's trying to make, he's just trying to survive. And the angel of the Lord, the first thing the angel of the Lord says when it sees him, it says, you mighty man of valor, stand up. You mighty man of valor. I don't know if any of you can relate to the wine press of the story of Gideon, but can I ask this? Is there anyone here this morning that would say that there are parts of your life, maybe you, as you're hearing this story, you think, do you know what? I've known Jesus for a long, long time, but there are parts of me that I have kept in the wine press for a long time. 
even hearing the stories of the testimonies of the very sacrifice and the power of giving your life to Jesus and giving your life for him as you go into the water and die to him and come out alive from him. The decisions that we made. Are we, have, we give him, have we given him everything, church? Or have we allowed the convenience of a wine press and to hide? Have we allowed the wine press just become a normal, acceptable part of our life because of the times that we're living in? I believe, isn't it so interesting that for a man like Gideon who has just been caught in the act, his response to the angel of the Lord is not, who are you? He immediately goes into a conversation with the angel and immediately says, why are we going through what we're going through? Where have you been? Why is it that my nation is hiding in caves? Why is it that we are living through such dark days? Aren't you the God that saves? Aren't you the God that has led our people out of the wilderness? Gideon pouring out his frustration and his, and, 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 and his reality of explaining to the Lord, we are in survival mode right now, God. Where have you been? Has anybody here asked God that question before? Anyone walking through a season right now where you are asking, where are, where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? I ask that question frequently. There is so much shaking going on in the world right now. And I think that one of the greatest questions the world is asking is, where is God? Where is he? And I wish we could have live streamed this service to the whole world this morning. Do you also notice that after Gideon then asked God, where have you been? Gideon then begins to say, if you think I'm strong, if you think I, can, I, I am anything other than a man hiding in a wine press, don't you realize that I am the weakest of my tribe? I am the least qualified do you know my family? Do you know my past? I have nothing to give. And yet God did not seem to answer any of Gideon's questions. Didn't answer the question of Gideon was saying to God, where are you? And when Gideon said, I'm from the weakest tribe, from the weakest family, he didn't answer any of those all God said was, I will be with you. 
I will be with you. Do you know following Jesus does not mean that any one of us are immune to pain, disappointment, betrayal, heartache, none of that. We are not immune to any of that. Even Jesus himself promised trials for us. But what we have is him. What he promised is that he would never leave us nor forsake us. That he is with us in constant times. That no one here will or has. You will never be alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, you'll never be alone. Let me say this in Hebrews 12, verse 27. And this is a... A, a mini chapter within Hebrews 12, and it just says, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Verse 27, yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that things cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to the Lord acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. We are living in days of shaking. I will keep saying that. But I want you to recognize that the very things that we're seeing shaken are things that are not of this kingdom. And the only things that will remain will be his kingdom. Now let me also say this. The purpose of the shaking for me and you is that anything that in our lives that to him is deemed as clutter, he's going to remove it. And it, that revealing of the clutter in our lives, one is to recognize that that is not eternal, but also it's to reveal the significance, the power, and the strength of who Jesus is. So that when you go through the shaking, you get to see who your God really is. I heard it said recently, and I thought, this is good, is that the enemy wants the church to be shaken and not stirred, but God, but God wants us to be stirred, not shaken. To see him as a consuming fire. To see the Lord as a consuming fire. Gideon, Gideon's issues with what the angel of the Lord said over him was all about his identity. The reasons why Gideon did not believe that he was a mighty man of valor was because of the pain and disappointment and trauma that he had been through and also the identity of his own family. And, he, and God had to go after those lies. He said, you're a mighty man of valor. And let me say this. The culture that we live in today is trying to disciple me and you to give us an, a false identity. Okay, listen. 
the, the, what we are warring against is that it would be brands or what you hear on the news or what we read on, on social media, it would be things like this. You are the result of your pain. You are your temptations. You are your income. You are your status. You are your gift. You are what you know. But we know that what our heavenly father says about us is the identity that he has given us. But where there is a lie in your life, God is not trying to get you. He's trying to destroy the lie that you're believing so that he can reveal himself to be father to you. So listen to this. Let me read you some truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm going to go through this really quick. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new the old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, all through Christ reconciled to us, to himself, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, and we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin and who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ephesians 2, 18, verse 19. For through him we have the access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Ephesians 2, verses 12 to 13. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But, everyone say but. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once far off, have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. The issue is your identity and where the enemy can sow deception, he can create a stronghold in your life and that you will be plagued by the lie that is against what God says about you. Is that the enemy does not knock on your door and say, hi, can I come in? I have a plan to destroy your life. He takes your pain, trauma, and lies. And if you believe that's who you are, he has you. Jesus in the wilderness after the Lord opened up the heavens and said, this is my beloved son in whom I love. He went into the desert and, the, and for 40 days fasted and he was tempted, tempted by, by Satan. And the first temptation Satan said to him is, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into. See, he was challenging the very thing that God had spoken, if you are. The enemy was going after Jesus' identity, not whether he could perform miracles. He was trying to change Jesus' mind about who God says he is. He was getting him to change God's truth on a situational lie. And yet God has the ability, the heart, and desire to speak new truth over us this morning. You know, when we look at the cross, we think maybe, we may think this, it condemns some and actually only accepts good people, the cross. 
when actually the cross is the hope of the nations. Jesus dying for us on the cross is the answer to everything that the world is crying out for. There is no other way. There is no other plan. There's no plan B. It's Jesus. And God is able to undo and remove all the scars and the implications of sin, destruction, and death by giving us an identity in Christ. And that's available for all of us this morning. See, a message like this is, there's no one in here that can say this is for a new believer. This message is for someone who's just given their life to to Christ. This is for every single one of us right now. That we have to be secure and walk out our identity in Christ every single day. Stand up, mighty warrior. Oh, but Lord, you don't know what I've done. Stand up, mighty warrior. But Lord, you don't know how many times I've tried to do this, and I'm right back to where I am. Stand up, mighty warrior. But Lord, you don't understand my past, and if, if you knew what I've been through and what happened to me, Stand up, mighty warrior. We serve a God that takes anyone that wants to accept him as Lord, and he says, stand up, mighty warrior. And the plans and call that he has for every single one of you is not just some nice nicety that we say to people. Every single person in this room has a calling from the Lord that only you can do, but you can only do it with him. Stand up, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. Do you know the same spirit in Genesis 1 that was hovering over the deep and when God said, let there be light, The same spirit that separated the mountains from the ocean, the sky from the land. The same spirit that when God spoke the universe and expanded at the rate of 186,000 miles per second and is still expanding. The same spirit that breathed life into Adam and made him a living being. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that belongs in you when you become a follower and a believer of Christ Jesus. Would you please stand? There would, there would be two responses to a, to, to a meeting like this where we've seen people make a public declaration and a testimony of how we hear in all the accounts of Jesus meeting people where they are and, they, and Jesus said, stand up, mighty man. Stand up, mighty woman. So, of course, we're going to ask if there is anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. You've witnessed some amazing works of Jesus this morning. 
And I want to encourage you, if you would like to come and join the family of God, there ain't no better day than today. And if that is you, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and to stand right next to this baptismal pool. We're not going to chuck you in, I promise. But we are going to lead you to Jesus like I was led many years ago in this very building. It is a privilege and an honor because like we sang earlier, Jesus is bringing his sons and daughters home. And there is no one that can leave today that has to not know that they are loved, they are called, and God has a plan for you. Amen? The second is this. God is after anyone in this room. He is after anyone that is hiding in the wine press this morning. If there is anyone hiding and using an excuse as to why they don't believe that they can stand and be a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor, Today's the day to get out of that wine press and stand in who God's called you to be. Amen? If that is you, I want you to come down to the front as, as, a, as a declaration as I'm coming, I'm getting out of the excuse. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, that you have promised every single one of us that you will be with us. Father, I pray that today would mark a shift and a change for all of us, not just to be encouraged to see what you're doing in this beautiful church, but, Father, Lord, that we would stand in our identity together as men and women under your name. Father, if there is any of us that are hiding in the wine press this morning, Father, may we just receive your words of standing up, O mighty man or woman of valor. God, would you give us the courage to confront these spaces and places that we need to. But Father, you are raising up your church in this hour to be the light that you have called us to be. And Lord, that this world is crying out for men and women of courage. For us to be unapologetically and unashamed of the gospel. Jesus, we love you. Father, change me. And Lord, may we stand in the truth of who you call us to be. Amen. Amen. Amen.